If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Preaching out of Acts this evening, Acts chapter 1, the second half of the chapter. Pastor Eric started the chapter last week, and um, I I love Acts. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible just because this is where the Holy Spirit comes on the scene. This is where the rubber meets the road for us as far as being able to identify with these men on the same level that we're at. You know, they're no longer following Jesus, watching Jesus perform these miracles, and being rebuked strongly at times by Jesus, but now they have the power on themselves to go out and do the work of the ministry. So this is who we can more strongly identify with. And, um, and, and it's, it's kind of like Jesus is gone now, and so they're coming together, and they're having to operate in one accord and and cooperate with each other to get the work of the ministry done. And so that's just exciting to me because I feel like I can can so closely identify with them. However, this portion of Scripture, to me, when I looked at it after Pastor Eric asked that I would teach tonight, and he said, you know, I'd really like for you to continue in Acts where I left off. And I noticed he left off right after Jesus ascends, and he wants me to stop right before the Holy Spirit falls. So I'm like, oh, thanks, babe. Great, great portion of scripture. Um, You get all the exciting parts, and I get the time in between. But what's exciting about this is I think that this is where we find ourselves so many times. You know, there's this work of the cross that we see, and then there's the promises that come through that, but there's that time between where we're waiting. We're waiting to see those promises come to pass. And so I thought, okay, Lord, this, this section of Scripture is that time. These guys are just waiting. They're like, okay, we've been promised the Holy Spirit's coming. Jesus is gone, and now we wait. And Jesus even instructed them, you go to Jerusalem and you wait until the Holy Spirit arrives. So that's where we're at. We're starting in verse 12 tonight, um, the, upper, the upper room. Verse 12 says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath's day journey which on the Sabbath day they weren't allowed to travel very far, so this is about three-quarters of a mile approximately. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Notice that it says that they were in one accord. And these are the early leaders of the church. And they set a great example for, for us as, as church leadership to operate in unity and harmony. And they not only operated in un- unity and harmony as far as their prayer, but this word supplication here means a request or asking for a need to be met, but not necessarily just by God, but from other men. And I know us as uh, the church leadership here in this body, when we, when we get together, we, we have supplication. You know, when we go on a trip together, I, I'll call Candace and I'll say, hey, are you bringing a curling iron? Because if you are, I'm not. I'll bring a blow dryer. Are you going to bring this? Are you going to bring that? And so we, we gather our resources and we, we share with one another. And so what's hers is mine, what's mine is hers. And we have this understanding because we've had this relationship for so long. And not just when we travel. It's pretty much our lives. You know, the people that I'm close to, they know that if 
they have need of a piece of furniture or anything like that, they can call me, and if I don't have it, I'm going to keep my eye out for it. And if it comes available somewhere, I'm going to snatch it for them, you know, and that's just how we operate. Um, And I think that that's how the body of Christ should operate. I think we should be available. I think someone should be able to say, hey, i got to have a break from my kids. Take them and, and, and willingly do that for each other. Bear one another's burdens. And, um, and I know a lot of you are very good at that. My family, I've learned a lot of that from my family. Today, as a matter of fact, just a quick testimony, and I didn't plan on sharing this, but it fits. Um, my dad drove in town today and brought me my mom's car and gave it to me because my car was on its last leg and she was getting a new one. So rather than do whatever he could have done with her car, he decided to give it to me, and he took my car. And um, her car's in much better condition than mine in. Mine was. It was on its last leg, and so that's just how we've operated as a family. We, we just know that if somebody's getting new furniture, my sister-in-law is currently in the process of redoing her whole house, so I'm like, bring it on. I know that, I said, I know about 12 people who could use furniture, so anything you're getting rid of, I can find a place for it. And so that's just how we operate. And I think as the family of God, that's how we should operate together. Um, And it says that they prayed together. And it doesn't say exactly what they were praying about, but when you look at Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it gives you a little bit of a clue. It says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And they've already been promised the Holy Spirit's coming, so I'm almost positive that their prayers were something like this. Come, Holy Spirit. We're ready for you. We're waiting on this Holy Spirit to show up. Please, you know, and that's probably a lot what their prayer sounded like. Um, these men of God and this, these men in this group didn't just agree on spiritual matters, but they also agreed on practical matters. They didn't just share ministry they shared in each other's lives and possessions like I I, uh, mentioned but also it mentions at the bottom of verse 14 that the women and Mary the mother of Jesus were there and I think this is a great mention because it introduces the barriers of gender falling as far as this ministry on earth starts you know these women were mentioned to be in that room as the start of the ministry of the church and and how many of you know that there are some women who are impacting the world right along with the strong male ministers I know we've got Mary Beth here with us and she's ministering to a lot of ladies every week and uh yeah and it's great these women that'll step up and and take their place in the ministry right alongside with the men my husband will probably get on to me for talking about that later. He's, Brent. <laughs> um, I'm just teasing. He's very, obviously, very supportive. He asked me to preach tonight, but he just jokes about it a lot. All right, moving on to verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. As you know, Judas at this point is gone. He's dead now. He had betrayed Jesus and sold him for uh, a number of silver coins, sold uh, him over to, uh, what am I trying to say? Anyway, he had given him over for an amount of money. And so at this point, those decisions that he made led him to destruction. 
and he had eventually committed suicide, and, and so he's out of the picture now, but these guys are, are saying, okay, we've got this hole. We've got this spot in the ministry that Judas wants filled. We have this hole, and, and um, who are we going to put in his spot? On to verse 18, it says, Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So the field is called, in their own language, Akel Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. So the silver that he... um, that he obtained for turning Jesus over was considered by them dirty money. You know, they didn't want to put this money back into the treasury because of what it represented to them. So they bought this piece of land with this money, and they just considered it uh, uninhabitable. They didn't want anybody to dwell there because it was um, a symbol of unrighteousness to them. And so they they ended up using the lot, I believe, to bury, uh, it says strangers, but people, like, people considered unclean, and, and it wasn't meant for for righteous people to dwell there and and I think that um, sometimes that that's something that we have to do is set aside the things that are in our past and not go back there and dwell there we have to turn away from them and consider that thing in, in a spot that's not inhabitable we can't go live in that anymore we have to turn away from those things and not rehash those things um And then starting in verse 21, this is where they decide how they're going to fill this spot that Judas left. And there's a number of controversial uh, thoughts on this over whether or not the disciples had the right to replace Judas, whether or not they should have done this, because Jesus had instructed them to go and wait. And I've heard ministers say before, well, they weren't waiting. They went and they started making decisions about who should be in this spot. But how many of you know when the Bible says to wait on the Lord, that doesn't mean that we stop doing what we do and we just wait for heaven to fall from earth. That means we continue in doing what we know to do and we wait on the Lord and we wait for these things to come to pass. So I believe that this is just my own belief. I believe the disciples were right in doing this. They kept doing what they know to do, waiting on the Lord, his promise to show up in, in their situation. And their, their hearts were right. They weren't, they weren't trying to make decisions like, well, let's quick put someone in this spot, you know, while God's not looking. Their hearts were right. They were really trying to uh, just continue in what they knew to do and in the ministry. And Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence and out of it will flow the issues of life. Well, they were still just dealing with life and their hearts were right. So, so what they were doing was just flowing out of a good heart. And so it, it, it made it right. Um. Because God trusts you. God trusts you to make decisions. I, I've, I've met so many people who think, who, who stop and say, okay, Lord, do I go to the grocery store right now or do I wait till tomorrow morning? Give me a sign. You know, and they really do. They, they over-spiritualize everything. When God's given you authority, he's given you the, the authority to make decisions. And when you do these things out of a good heart, guess what? He's flowing with you. He's flowing through you. And it doesn't have to be like, Am I taking the step in the right direction? You just move, and he can guide you. As long as you're moving, you can be guided. It's when you stop and say, well, I'm waiting on him. I'm waiting on him, and he's waiting for you to move so that he can guide you in the right direction. Um, I wanted to point out in verse 24, which did did I go and read this? I haven't even read this portion of Scripture yet. 
Starting in verse 21, it says, Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all, the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is, this is uh, the casting of the lots is something that they did in the Old Testament, and, and since the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet to guide them, they still are just doing what they know to do. Like, they're just like, okay, well, uh, we, we think that this is kind of just, let's just do it the way we always have done it. So they put these two guys' names on rocks, and I think they uh, shake it up in something, and whichever rock falls out first is the one of the chosen. But notice that, that God used the two, the two guys that this, that this group of people who were in one accord agreed to elevate and say, okay, okay, Lord, it's between these two. Which one is it? He used that and, and later on recognized that there were still 12 disciples. I think that's interesting that um, even though that this was the, the men there in the room that are making this decision, he didn't rebuke them. You never see it in Scripture later, like, what were y'all doing? You had no business doing that. He honored the decision that they made and acknowledged later in the Scripture that the 12 disciples. He didn't say 11 and then that guy y'all threw in there on your own accord. He, he acknowledged it. And I think that that's interesting. And in verse 24, it says, they prayed and said, You, O Lord, know the hearts of all. Show us which of these two you have chosen. They didn't say, You, Lord, know the talents of all these people. You, you O Lord, know the gift, giftings that are in these people. You, O Lord, know the beauty that's on these people. He said, You know the hearts that are on these people. And, and their criteria in the beginning of selecting these two people were, We need somebody who's been with us through it all. Who every time we turn around, they're there seeing what they can do at the church. They're there picking up trash that someone dropped. They're there being faithful. We're not, we're, not, um, we're not looking for the best singer. We're not looking for somebody who's got a degree in kids' ministry. We're looking for somebody who's faithful. And he says they need to have been there from the beginning, witnessing what we've witnessed and being a part of everything that we do. And these were the ones who were elevated to a position with the rest of the disciples. That's, that coming from my standpoint is so powerful because it, it is those people who are just faithful to be here, faithful to come to services and, and see what needs to be done and to show up and do work in the nursery, right Val? During services that everyone wants to be in. It's those things that matter so much to a church body that everyone's serving in any capacity. You don't have to be the most talented in that capacity. You just have to be willing to be there and walk through it. And the, and the fact that he uh, looked on the hearts of the people. If you're just going with what God's told you to do, or even you don't know for sure what God's told you to do, but you're just doing. You're doing what you know to do. When the, and your heart is right and your heart is turned towards God. There's nothing that, that you can do that he can't work with. There's nowhere that you can go that he can't guide you in the direction that he would take you into. You've got the favor of God on your life. He can take you to an, any 
any situation where there's abundance for your life. He can take you in any situation that will bring you peace. He can take you into any situation that will bring you joy. And um, you'll find the goodness of God in that as long as you're going and you're trusting him and you're uh, being directed by him. And I was instructed, so I'm being obedient, to stop at the beginning of chapter 2. So you guys get a short service tonight. So God bless you. And um, like I said, Pastor Brandon Holler will be here on Sunday morning, so you don't want to miss it. Thank you all for being here tonight and uh, supporting me. And, and I know Pastor Eric will be glad that you all came, came to be with me tonight. Let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you that, um, that your word is life-changing. And Father, we just thank you for the Spirit of God in this place. And Lord, that um, your favor is here. Father, I thank you for peace and joy in the households of the people that are here. Father, that every household represented here would be abundantly blessed beyond all they could think or ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you all very much. Y'all have a good evening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.